Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. How, how are things in general? Um, they're good. They're chill. You ready for ElixirCon? I am not at all. <laughs> Me neither. At all. But that's fine. I, I feel like at this point, like I've got my process so dialed mm-hmm. that like it's not going to be, it's not a huge deal. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Always fine. Always fine. Well, and then, and then like, even if it's not, it'll be over eventually. Exactly. You know, like it's not going to last forever. That's true too. Yeah, it'll be fun. And I'm only going to be there for part of it, but it'll be fun. You're coming. Yeah. You're coming up for just one bit and then you're going, where are you going? You're going somewhere else. You're going somewhere fun. Aren't you? A wedding. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to a wedding. I knew this. I knew all these things. Um, back where we you talked are. about this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That was a whole thing. All right. <laughs> it's all coming back to me. Slowly, slowly, but surely. I am, I'm like sleep deprived. Like at this point, really? it's bad. Yeah. It's really bad. It's gotten, it's gotten terrible recently because of, I don't know. I, like all of our kids, like simultaneously had a sleep regression. Mm. They were just like, we're not going to sleep anymore. We just don't want to. So then they just stopped <laughs> and they, so they're just like up in the middle of the night. Yeah. 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 It's a whole thing. So nobody's sleeping well right now. How's the little one? He's pretty, he's pretty good. He's definitely had a regression. So he's like up at night and stuff, but he's still chill. So it's fine. How old is he now? He's like almost nine months. Oh my God. Time flies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. He'll, I mean, he'll be close to a year. Electrical. Gig city. Oh, Geek City. That's right. Yeah. Nine months. I can count. I haven't had coffee this morning. <laughs> oh, that'll be cool. Gig City. Yeah, that's right. I need to figure out all my stuff for that. Yeah. Yeah, same. <laughs> Did you guys decide what you're doing for Elixirco? Uh, In what capacity? What do you mean? Driving or flying? Oh, yeah. We're driving. Okay. Yeah. We're just, we're just going for it. Nice. So... But that'll be fine. I mean, we're going to be there long enough and we can kind of take our time to get there and all that. That's good. So, yeah. So it should be fun. Fun to meet all of the fam. Yeah, right? Yeah. So that'll be that'll be exciting. Mm-hmm. I found the pictures of the indoor water park. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like would constitute indoor water park? Like, what do you feel like would, what do you feel like would qualify? As an indoor water park. At what point, at what point, where's the bar set? Where's the right. low? I feel like it has to be more than like two water slides. It has to be more than two water slides. Right? Like it has more to be two. like, well, it has to be more than a few. I mean, like when you imagine water, I, feel, I, I imagine like what you would imagine an outdoor water park to be, but like slightly smaller because it's inside. Right. So my, my main experience with indoor water parks is from this conference called Code Mash, which is easily the most awkward thing that I've ever been to because... It's this giant enterprise conference, right? Like it's yep. it's like it's dot net yep. through, through mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's had some. It's been in the news, uh, not recently, but like a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, so like they rent it. It has it's this. It's in Sandusky, Ohio. Okay. So it's in nowhere, and uh, there's nothing around it, and it's at a hotel that is like a legit indoor water park. And when they say indoor water park, like it's a water park that happens to have a roof and walls. Are you serious? Yeah. Like it's like a legit water park. Huh? Like 
I could not find my way around the water park. Oh, wow. I was getting lost. Like, it's big. It's really, really, really big. That's cool. It's the size of most hotels, the water park section of the hotel yeah. is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's cool in the sense that it's like, wow, somebody built this. Like, somebody did it. Somebody had this idea. In the same way, like, the city museum is kind of like. Right. It's like impressive just on its own. You don't even need to experience it. You just yes. look at it and you're like, this is amazing. Right. That's how that feels. It has multiple slides and all this stuff. And I say it's awkward just because it's like this weird amalgamation of like nerd programmers. Right. Who like you know, chilling out in the lazy river with like a bunch of like vendors, like trying to sell them on like IBM Watson and things like that. And it's this weird like mismatch of, of culture. Uh, but anyway, so that, that's what comes to mind. I think more than two slides is is what we should really consider to be the bare minimum. And by that standard, I don't believe <laughs> that the Elixir Comp venue really constitutes an indoor water park. Oh, yeah. What does it look like? Well, it's a pool. Okay. But you would need the water for that. And it's water. inside. Okay. So it just has an indoor pool. It is. Yeah. And I think it has a slide. From the pictures I can, I'm looking at, I think there's a slide. But it's like, when I say a slide, I mean like a slide that you might find at, you know, any sort of park, like like garden variety neighborhood park. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure if you got 10 people in this thing with inner tubes, like you'd be out of room. Right. So I'm, just, I'm not I've never seen it. I will report back once I've seen it. <laughs> But <laughs> so far, I'm not convinced. <laughs> Are you happy that you're driving all the way across, across country for this water that doesn't exist? Well, that's the thing is like, I was trying to figure out, like, like we were talking about bringing the kids around. I was like, well, there's yeah. an indoor water park. So like, you'll just do that all day. You know, like we're trying to figure out like, it's a division of labor, right? Because like two of the days I'm like legit obligated to do training. Right. Um. So there's no capacity for me to like, help out our yeah, parent at all except maybe during like lunch so we're trying to figure out like how we're going to like shift that division of labor mm -hmm. and uh i was like yeah well there's the indoor water park so like you could probably spend you can get a good four hours out of that and then i started and then i was like actually i need to go see like it might be too scary for like alice just to go in there and run around on her own and then i looked at it and i was like no it's fine <laughs> not worried about this at all <laughs> My my main concern now is that you're not going to get four hours out of this. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, got that going on. <laughs> oh, man. How's work stuff going? Is it, are you still enjoying all the things? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good times. I, I'm, I feel very spoiled uh, because my work is definitely interesting, but. It's high pressure in the ways that I enjoy my work to be high pressure. How so? It doesn't have it doesn't have like the the artificial deadline kind of pressure, right? That that happens a lot in like startups. Mm -hmm. like we've got to get this done mm -hmm. because we got to make the sale or whatever. Like there's some reason to do a thing. I don't have a lot of that or any of that to speak of. Really, there's a couple things that end up being deadlines, but we know about them like months in advance because it turns out sports have this really cyclical 
seasonal lifestyle, right? So we just we know when events are coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the domain limit or uh, the the domain allows us to do that. So because of that, the pressures are more about getting stuff right. Mm-hmm. Because if you get something wrong, it's going to impact a lot right. of, of things. Like it's gonna it's gonna have a large sort of impact across. You know, there's certain there's certain endpoints you could change. There's certain APIs you could manipulate. And you could have like a real problem, like you could cause like a real problem that affects every user in the app or that affects like the majority of traffic or whatever, mm-hmm. just because they're crucial endpoints to like serve right. traffic. So that's the kind of pressures you're under of like, I've got to make sure I get this right. But but I kind of enjoy that because it also, it means the problems are interesting and fun. Mm-hmm. And um, you're not you bored. And, and like you see these real dividends, like. I worked on a thing the other day that halved the response time of a of an API call. Now, granted, the halving was from like, I don't know, 20 milliseconds down to like 10 or a little below 10. And like, but that was like a big deal. Like that was yeah. like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And that feels really good. But that also was like, I don't know, several days, almost like a week's worth of work. Right to figure out how to like coordinate and do all that kind of stuff. So there's the, those kind of trade-offs, but I, I find that to be pretty fun. Like that's, that's enjoyable to me. Those are the kind of stakes that I'm into. Right. That makes sense. It does sound interesting. Yeah. As opposed to like fire drills all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't miss that at all. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> Luckily I don't have that in current line of work, but. Um, I don't miss that even a little bit. No, it's a real bummer. This is so demoralizing. Well, and I don't, there's no point, right? Like I don't understand the longer I work in tech, right? I'm like, I don't understand a lot of the things about, I get that certain companies sometimes have to move fast to survive, but there's a lot of things you can do to mitigate a lot of the like stupid behavior that you see. Mm -hmm. Tell me, tell me more about that. Well, like, um, like fire drills, right? Like getting stuff out for the sake of like, like arbitrary deadlines, right? Because we said we were going to do it by this date. Well, like what's the need there? Why are we actually pushing everybody to rush this thing through? Right. Because somebody decided that that was a good idea as opposed to like a user need mm-hmm. or client mm-hmm. need. Right. And then you're just half people. I mean, the people that are working for you are stressed for unnecessary reasons and then they're pushing stuff out oftentimes sooner than it is ready, which means that the quality of the work, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's like spin, spin balls. And I've seen that happen. I'm like, well, I don't understand the point. Cause so you released a thing, but like are people using the thing, do you need it? Cause otherwise like, what, what are we doing? Right. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I think so many of those arbitrary deadlines, I was sorry to say this. I think deadlines are useful yes. as a forcing function to cut scope. Yes. And to do the important things. Right. So like that's, we're setting that aside. There's obvious benefits in sort of saying we want to do, we want to achieve a goal in this amount of time because it's going to force us to do like the, the sort of most important core bits of this. Like how do we get this fundamentally right? I agree. That's not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about like deadlines that somebody that like the highest paid person in the room comes in and says like, I need this because I've got to go make a sale. Yes. And I'm not saying that there isn't ever a legitimate case for that, where you're like, wait, customers need this. We really have to get it out. But Mm -hmm. more often than not, I feel like, especially at startups, especially when you're still trying to find like product market fit and trying to, you're trying of all these things, like 
there's a lot of churn and a lot of there potentially is a lot of churn, not always, but like I've been in situations where like, wow, there's a lot of wasted effort because we're trying to get this thing out, but we actually haven't done the work to see that we need this thing and mm-hmm. validate that we need this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's demoralizing, I think, for folks that are building the software, right? When you're like working on stuff that either doesn't get shipped or gets shipped, but actually doesn't get used. And yeah, especially uh, when you sort of like really, really put uh, like, not energy into it, but you put a lot of like emotional energy into mm-hmm. it. Like I need to get this done because someone's asked me to do it. And it's like really important. And you, you sort of invest a lot of that time exactly. like, or that mental energy into it. And then it just doesn't get used or it's like not important. It didn't help you make a sale anyway or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you yeah. going to say? I had a, uh, I had a fun experience one time where I was working at a crappy startup and the guy who ran it was this like super salesman mm-hmm. who sold, he had made a ton of like ton of money, literally like selling things. Like he sold like training material to people and stuff like that. It was like this whole thing, right? Total like classic, terrible boss kind of scenario mm-hmm. and was deeply like, like most salespeople tend to be like deeply emotionally manipulative. Uh-huh, of course. Cause that's how you make good sales. How you make like, money. Yeah. Yeah. You like, you, pull, you prey on people's emotions. <laughs> and so he came into the, to our like work space one day and took a marker and wrote on the dry erase board, like erased everything that was on there, which was stuff that we were currently working on. And then went up and wrote on there, like build this now, stop everything, build this now, do not talk to me until it's done or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. drop everything and build this and then walked back out of the room. And that really like, doesn't work very well. I was like, that is certainly a management style. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, and then, and then it was there, it was forever emblazoned right on, on the, uh, on our whiteboard because he wrote it in permanent marker. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Well, I'm like, like, does this I think- work? Does this, <laughs> just like, I get, I get that. Like, I thought only, um, <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to make this joke. Never mind. <laughs> it must be pretty bad if you're not going to make the joke. I was going to, I was going to say something about negging. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But it's like, but that's like negging on like the highest scale, right? Like not the highest scale, but it's like, it's like, that's what that is, right? Like you're, you're essentially preying on people's emotions in order to try to get a thing that you want. But there's different ways of doing that in ways that are like not preying on people's emotions, but like actually being like a nice human. Right. And motivating and it's like I, my current client, the CEO is so nice to start up and the product's really interesting, but he's so nice. I like, we were like working on something yesterday and we paired for a little bit. And then he paid me later. He was like, thanks so much for your time and for pairing. It was fun. And I was like, Oh, that, that was so nice of you. Right. Like small, like just being a thoughtful, nice human will get you way farther in motivating people to do good work for you than being an asshole. Yeah. yeah. And it's so and it's so sad when when you step back and you're like, oh, that person was nice because it's not what you expect. <laughs> like it's just so it's like it's like so the, where's the bar, right? Right. Again, like what like when do we call it a water park? Uh-huh. Like, exactly. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's funny. I'm not gonna go into this isn't the show for this, but like I was talking to, I mean, just in general, like San Francisco is filled with like a lot of because of because of tech, right? And I was talking to my friend. I was like, I went on a date the other night. I was talking to my friend. She's like, well, how was it? And I was like, well, the bar is so 
I was like, he was really nice. He's like, she's like, the bar is so low. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> because, um, so only tangentially related, but like, <laughs> right. We shouldn't be surprised that people are nice, good humans, but there's so much garbage in the industry that sometimes well, you're think, surprised. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's totally true. Well, I think for sure, larger cities, like the tech bro culture thing is like a super real thing. Mm-hmm. And you see it more in, in city. I think you see it more. I mean, number one, you see it more when there's like a large set of people. And two, you see it more when there's money to go around. Yes. It attracts, and, like, and I'm not saying that there person. aren't good people doing good work. Right. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm just saying like, but I mean, there's a reason that like the, the tallest uh, presidential candidate has always won. Mm, right. You know what I mean? Like, like, or since television, like since television, the tallest presidential candidate has literally ever, always won. Mm-hmm. I believe I that. That's a re- I think it's a real thing. I believe that. <clears throat> I mean, can can we run somebody who's really tall this this election? Right. Right. Well, that's the that's the that's the uh, the obvious the obvious answer. <laughs> that's the that's the obvious conclusion to draw. <laughs> but no, but I think that's that that's the same thing, right? Like 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 it attracts those those biases attract other by bi- like biases and those sorts of things like like the same thing that gets tall people uh you know th- these like random or th- these benefits like these privileges are the same things that attract a certain type of person to want to try to like make money doing these kinds of startups or whatever that's true that's true and it's i mean i also think it goes to say that and we've talked about this before that human beings just aren't really great at making decisions <laughs> well that's definitely true like a hundred percent because we vote emotionally right yeah always yeah use emotionally rather than logically oftentimes even though we Mm -hmm. think we're being logical about a situation and it's yeah i think it's interesting because there's all this it means we try to do better right like there's all of these things about like even building teams and like all Mm -hmm. these you know agile things that i think i've seen work and do work but like feel like people often have to check themselves that they're not just making emotional decisions especially yeah. when you're working and t- I don't know. now we're on a tangent that's okay yeah no that's that's what this show's about um <laughs> i think i think it's true everywhere i think it's true probably in all kinds of industries it just so happens that like we our industry is weird in that the individual workers end up commanding a lot of power you know yes. what i mean like like I know people and I am like, and I've done this where I've just like left a job because I'm not happy and I like want to get a new one. Right. And like line welders don't have that opportunity. Yeah, it's true. We have you know a lot I mean? of privilege. Like, it's, there's a lot of privilege in, <laughs> like, in this industry. I, I hated it at the time. So like I worked in a factory when I was in to, to like make money in college and I, I hated every second of that because I have a problem with like authority and Right. You know, I, I want autonomy. And I think a lot of people do that. You know, a lot of people have those same feelings. But I look back on that now and I'm like, I'm really glad that I needed to do that. Like that I had to do that. I was I that, that was a part of my like formative career upbringing, because mm-hmm. I think it gives you this perspective where you're like, oh, right. Yeah. Like, what am I upset about? Like, mm-hmm. there there like there are people who don't have any choice about where they go or like yes you know like 100%. and and like they're like what do you mean you're not happy at your job no one's happy at their job like suck it up and do your job you know like that's that's like a real truism kind of thing. no that's true i mean I, we are very the industry that we work in and the work that we do happens to be highly in demand right now and so 
that gives us a lot of power and flexibility that a lot of people don't have. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And I think, well, and also it shifts the, it shifts this power balance like to the workers, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And I've been thinking a lot about, about that and, and, and like, and how that sort of like interacts with the rest of the world mm-hmm. and how it affects process. Yeah. Say more about that. Well, like, so I was thinking about this in terms of um, thinking about like agile, right? So, so I, I've contended for a long time that the most productive I've ever been in a team scenario has, was at carbon five. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is because when you charge people, when you're a consultant and you're only going to be there a limited duration, something, let's say like three to nine months, somewhere in that vicinity. Right. And you're charging enough money that people are like already bought in to listen to you when like they walk in the door. That's like a, that's a key thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're not staff hog, right? You're not coming in and you're like, you're just going to supplement like an existing staff and then be let go at some point. You're like, you're, you're charging enough money that people want to listen to you and you have expertise in that. Mm-hmm. And when you're good at a process that, you know, everything is set up in your favor to get the most work done. Right. And so I've been thinking about that in terms of like, I think that's why like the XP style of agile that Carbon Five and Pivotal and Thoughtbot and Hashrocket, like all these companies, like kind of tend to use like some some variation of like XP. Mm-hmm. Some of them like take it really far, like Pivotal. Some of them don't. You know, some of them are in the middle, whatever. But I think that that works so well because everything is set up for you to do that because you're holding like essentially like decision making power, right? Right. And it's interesting that Agile is even a thing, right? Because it's a bunch of programmers who have enough autonomy and power. It's ostensibly workers, right? Who have enough autonomy and power that they got together and said, like, this is how we're going to work now. And then, like, change the business to, like, reflect that. Mm -hmm. It's not top down, right? Like, it's it's completely bottom up. It's true. And I I find that really fascinating um, as I think about, like, how do I achieve... Like I want to, I want to get stuff done as quickly as I, as like I was able to get stuff done at Carbon Five. So like, what does it take to do that mm-hmm. um, in a company that's much larger, that has year-long goals, that has stuff, legacy stuff they've got to maintain, like has all this this stuff that you're not burdened by when you're there for three months building a brand new thing mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and so like, how do you? Like, how do you gain that sort of stuff? And like, where, how do you build a process to, to accommodate that? Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't think that there's like a, I don't think that there's like a cookie cutter, like, I don't think there's a formula. Like, I don't think you can say like, oh, well, we're going to do scrum or we're going to do XP or we're going to do lean or whatever. And like having those things work. I think like the entire point of the agile thing was to like focus on communication and like create a process that like facilitated that. Right. So, so yeah, so I've just been thinking about all that. And, and like how it all relates to each other. And, and I, that's where I started thinking about like this hilarious idea, this hilarious notion that like agile is like this, like total bottom up grassroots movement thing that then like got co-opted <laughs> by management. And, and like when it's implemented top down, it tends to suck. Yeah. I mean, cause you don't have the buy-in par- partially, right? Like, I think so. Yeah. Partially because you don't necessarily have the buy-in and partially because I think to your point, what you said, most of agile, I think a lot of what allows us to be effective at carbon five among, you know, in addition to like expertise in the domain, et cetera, but like is that high level of empathy and frequent 
right? Communication because mm-hmm. we're so high touch, right? Like mm-hmm. what makes agile work is really just human communication frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, that feedback loop becomes so, so much tighter. And so you're like, I have a question, let me ask. And there's no, not a lot of discrepancies, right? Between what you're working on and what you should be working on in the ideal scenario, right? Um, because you can get that clarified. And because again, you're working on in our scenario for a short period of time, it's easier to prioritize, right? Because you're like, okay, what do I need done in the next little bit? I don't have to think as far and project as far ahead. Um, so there are a lot of things I think that make it easier here. But I think a lot of it comes down to that really highly, and I don't know how it is that, I've never worked for a huge company, right? But like the fact that at smaller companies, there are so many fewer touch points, right? Communication mm-hmm. is much easier. And effective communication is, allows that process to work a lot more smoothly. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with all that. And I, I think you're totally right. Well, and so and so the question for me becomes like, how do you cultivate that same thing in a group of, you know, 40 engineers yeah. or whatever? Like, how do you, who are working like across totally different domains, who are working on different, you know, they all, they all have different goals. Like they have personal goals, they have team goals, they have company goals. Uh, they're all working on the Android app or the iOS app or the web front end or backend services. And like, how do you, how do you like create that same thing? Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that a lot. I've been thinking about like, what are the, like, is there a way to structure, uh, uh, you know, your teams such that like you, you can facilitate independence amongst them so that they can, they don't need to coordinate. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I think I've said this before, but it's like every time you coordinate, like, productivity goes to die. So like, you, you know, every time you coordinate, that is like a week of your life that you're never getting back. Right. If not more. Right. And so you basically never want to coordinate. Interesting. Like the, like the ideally, right. Like you want to coordinate on big stuff. Like if you have like a, a crucial decision that needs to be made and you need to go across teams or whatever, like there, that's the place where you need to coordinate. But ideally speaking, in a big enough team, you never talk. Like you, in the sense that you never talk across teams. Like huh. only in as much as what's the right way to say it. I'm not advocating for like lack of transparency. Or no, something. I know. Like, I know. like I'm trying. Like like you should not need to make technical decisions that impact some other team in right. a way that isn't that like that you now need to coordinate about it. Right. No, I understand. I mean, like, how how do you actually have each team work effectively and yeah. minimize like the dependency, like the interdependency on the work that other teams are doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and like at scale. Yeah. Well, and how do you give individuals and teams autonomy mm-hmm. to so that they can all sort of make decisions at at the right levels? Like, how do you let teams institute their own process? Like, if Agile is about you know this communication and, or, or even if you're doing something more prescriptive or I don't know, whatever, if, if you're, if you've got some methodology, some process methodology, well, like maybe your team needs to do it this way or whatever. And maybe this other team does it differently because that makes more sense for them. And so how do you facilitate communication when it does need to happen in like a, in like a formal way? And then how do you give people just enough autonomy and boundaries so that like, Within this boundary, they're free to do to move and do whatever they want, but like, you know, like it can't like essentially it it limits the the amount of entropy that you could have in the system. Right. So these are all things I've been thinking about. Any thoughts on solutions? No, not none whatsoever. (laughs) I was actually hope I was actually hoping that you had some. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, it's hard, right? Like I think people do enjoy, I think people work best and most people work best when they have a level of autonomy and respect, right. And Mm -hmm. independence to take on and do their best work. And I think that's why software is a human problem most of the time, right. Right. Mm -hmm. Figuring out the right environment for folks is, I don't have any good answers is really hard, right? Like, I think that that's where a level of like, again, communication and high EQ and empathy comes in. Like whoever's leading the team or managing the team, like somebody has to pay attention to that stuff. Mm -hmm. Not that everybody shouldn't be, but somebody has to pay attention to the higher level, like functioning of the team in order to enable the team to be productive. Right. Like, I mean, this is the work we do at carbon five, like somebody's leading the project. Mm -hmm. Right. So that Mm -hmm. everybody else Mm -hmm. can be heads down. Right. And the person that's leading, like, and this happened to me, right. When you're leading a project, you're not writing as much code because you just don't have time because, Right. Like, you know, you have to manage stakeholders and you have to think about prioritization of work. And then you have to make sure that everybody on your team, like, has a clear idea of what they're doing and that they feel like they're support. You know what I mean? So it's like mm-hmm. somebody has to be doing that work. Right. 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 And if nobody's doing that work, then it's unlikely to. And if nobody's empowered to and, like, has the time allocated to do that work, then I think it's unlikely to happen. Yes. I, no, I completely agree with that. And yeah. It ends up being that it's just done ad hoc, mm-hmm. which turns out like to not be a great fit in a wider context of it's like not the optimal fit. Like maybe it's OK, at, like a small enough team size. Mm-hmm. Like if you have if you have three people with a common goal. Yeah, you and don't need that's that. it. Exactly. You probably don't need that because you have it innately like you like there is there's like some social structure wherein everybody knows what they're doing and all this kind of stuff. Like you can just talk to people. Yep. And beyond that, like, but I think quickly that grows, right. But quickly that changes. Cause once you have a team of even like four, right. People, yeah, <laughs> I think it's, people. I think it's beyond three. I yeah, think it's, it's I think three is the maximum amount of people you can have that all share a common goal. Yeah. Or, or like, like without having to really define like that. I agree. I agree. Right. Like, so then if you don't have that, and, and, and again, you don't want, like, I don't think anybody's a fan of like super heavy middle management. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but appropriately, right? Where you're like, somebody needs somebody needs to have the mental capacity to do the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that I don't know. I don't know if that's a solution, right? It's not like it's not it's not necessarily a solution. It's like everybody can do a little bit. It's like no, somebody needs to have the capacity to like pay attention, so that everybody else can be really focused. Right. Right. Yeah. You need you need a tank. You need someone. You need a heat sink. Exactly. I think I don't know. Maybe that's not the right answer. But like. And again, again, because of carbon five, we are in a particular scenario for a lot of reasons, but that works really well, right? Like somebody is responsible for paying mm-hmm. attention to all the things so that everybody else can pay attention to like just building some things. Yeah, no, for sure. It's funny how much I, I still cleave to those processes. Like, you know how you, you always fall back in any sort of situation, in any sort of situation where you don't quite know what you're doing, you always fall back to like pattern matching. Mm-hmm. Like this looks like this other problem that where we solved it this way. Mm-hmm. That's just like innately human. Mm-hmm. I feel like so often I fall back on, I just ape the the same process, the, the, I, the carbon five process, like mm-hmm. almost in a way that is, um, it's, it's almost like, like being a, a child in a tuxedo at a wedding, <laughs> like, and standing on stage. Like you're, you're not really sure why you're there or what you're doing, but you just do what everybody else does. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. you know, 
it's, it's awkward. And, and, it, and it works out and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You just, you don't need to understand why you're doing it, but you just do it without fully understanding the decision-making process. And then you kind of learn that's, that's often like how I end up in situations like that. It's like, that's the process I fall back on. And I'm trying to figure out wherein I, I merge the, th- like where that process makes sense and where it doesn't. I mean, I think it's, again, I think you're totally right. I mean, I was talking to my friend who now works at Dropbox, who was at Carbon 5, and he's a little bit given up on Agile because the way that they're, now that they don't, they just work in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work there. And again, it's like finding out what works in the environment that you're in. Right. Um, yeah, no, it totally, I, I totally see that. And like, that's been my problem with 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 trying to graft a lot of those processes on a bigger entrenched, more entrenched companies because- your goal, your goals aren't aligned correctly mm-hmm. and like individual goals aren't aligned correctly. And like monetary goals aren't aligned correct, like correctly, like to make that process work. Like you, and you need all of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It almost, it's almost like you need to extract that pieces of that, but at a higher, on, it's almost like agile, but it doesn't become agile anymore because it's on a longer time frame, right? But like, how do you, how do you take that how do you apply that process to something that has a longer time frame, and then find the places where you can break it down into find the little pieces of it that you can break down into like smaller, smaller, more focused chunks of, mm-hmm. of actionable mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know. But yeah, when you have like year long projections and budgets, et cetera, it's a little bit harder to be like, Hey, let's do this. Yeah. Well, in like Dropbox, like if you're going to make your company in like not just a folder that holds stuff anymore, but now you're like Google docs or something. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Dropbox I stopped paper, using I I stopped using Dropbox like forever ago oh, due to some privacy concerns, but like in any case, apparently no, it's different know, now. It's different. Apparently. It's like Google Docs. Uh, it's like Google now. Basically, they're trying. Um, I've used, I like Dropbox Paper. It's cool. Uh, is that a thing? What is that? Check it out. Okay. Like oh, collaborative. Oh, okay. So it's like, it's like Google Docs. Basically. You can type stuff in it. Yeah, it's cool. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I think about this stuff a lot too. Like, I think what makes for effective, because especially when you're working with some of the hardest projects that we have, right, are working within very large companies because there's more of that, right? And trying to get them to, trying to figure out how to adapt our process so that we can work effectively mm-hmm. within those constraints is challenging. Yeah. No, I, I completely, yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. But that's, and that's the whole goal, right? Like you, you develop a process that makes sense for the group that you're working with and the people you're working with and to accommodate the ways in which that company operates. But I ultimately think it comes comes down to like, we talk about this a lot on the show, right? Communication and empathy, right? Like, just like, do you hear what the other person is saying? How do you both come to a consensus on a common, right? Some common denominator that like appeases, like moves you towards your goal and like appeases both parties in some way, right? Like, Hmm. Well, and how do you, yeah, right. So like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was thinking about just now, like, how do you do that, especially in a context wherein you can give people autonomy mm-hmm. because giving people autonomy is inherently like this risky thing, right? Like they are free to make their decisions. Like that's what autonomy means. Like you're allowed to make decisions mm-hmm. to some degree. Right. Mm-hmm. But like everybody's motivated by different things and you know, so many programmers are motivated by like, I want to build it because it sounds fun. I mean, I'm motivated by that. Like I'm, we talked about this at the beginning of the show. Like I'm, I am motivated by interesting problems. And so, you know, and then other people are gonna be motivated by like their political standing in the company or like their desire to get a promotion or whatever. And so like when you run up against like competing interests like that and like competing control, you're really 
running up against like impinging on other people's autonomy to some degree. Like they have to give up some of that decision-making power in order for you to like find this middle ground. And so the empathy thing there is like, yeah, how do you, you have to understand like wherever, whatever, what the motivations are (laughs) for these people Yes. in order to, to like make good decisions that also that benefit you as like an individual, but also benefit your team that hopefully benefit the overall goals of the company. Yeah. That's where it gets complicated. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, that's where I think it's like legitimately acknowledging getting to know the people that you're, I mean, and that's, again, if somebody needs, somebody needs to have the bandwidth to do it. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and figuring out how to, it doesn't always work, but how do you align the goals of an individual with the goals of a larger organization? Right. Mm -hmm. Because like if people feel like they have autonomy and they're motivated and they're supported and they want to do, I think inherently, I mean, most people want to do good work, right? Like they want to Mm -hmm. have autonomy and respect and that they're valued. And so you, you can't do that if you don't know what they want. Right. Or make Mm -hmm. us they want and so somebody needs to have the capacity to do that yeah for sure i don't know people everyone like, are hard yeah but <laughs> it's interesting right like it's a different type of problem to solve but most of the technical problems like there are hard technical problems right but eventually we come to we can find some sort of solution people problems yeah the technical problems tend to be tractable mm-hmm. well, i think sarah may is always saying like great right, software is a human yeah right no human yeah, problem not a people problem not a technical problem usually yeah usually usually not always but sometimes it's just both yes but more often than not it's not usually it's basically never not a human problem but (laughs) sometimes also it's like a highly technical problem exactly exactly which is fun but not yeah exactly Um, yeah that's the way i like to think about that it's not one or the other it's just kind of both and to varying degrees of both yeah, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I don't similarly, I don't have good answers to your to your thoughts on how to make it better. I got some books on lean, so you know, <laughs> that'll be it, really. Went to the library. Did you really? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, let me know if you learn anything from your I mean, I'm sure I'll learn a lot about lean manufacturing. I'm not sure if that's if that's gonna apply any to anything useful. Maybe. Um you don't know. Yeah. But anyway. Get ready for the water park because it's going to be awesome. Oh my God. I'm going to get so ready. I need to, I should need to get uh, ready for the conference. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, anyway, interesting food for thought. Thank you. Thank you. This was good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you know how it turns out. Yeah. And I'll see you. I'm excited to see you both soon. Yeah. Just a couple of weeks away. Well, I'll we'll be, but yeah. Really? 20, 28 days. Really? Yeah. It's the first. Conference is on the twenty eighth. Well, you get there early because I'm there like from Monday. Yes, I, I don't get there till till Wednesday. I'm there the whole week. Exactly. Basically. Yes. So it's a little different for you. Yes. Sooner for you. But are you also speaking? Yeah. Oh my god. Nice. Yeah. It's yeah. It's gonna be a lot. Oh, be fun. I found out. I found out that as of right now, we have like eighty people in our training. That's good, right? I know it's great, but it's a lot. <laughs> that's like that's like double the amount that we had at the last trade. That's trainer. good. It's popular. Uh, I hope so. At least it sounds good on paper. I want to take it. <laughs> it should it be fun. Good. Hopefully it'll be fun. All right, friend. I'll talk to you later. Soon. Yep. Bye. Bye.